All right, so if I look like a little tired this morning, we were sleeping great in the retreat center last night, and then in the, about two o'clock in the morning, I heard a thump, and you guys know what happened, right? Somebody fell off the top bunk. She's all right. If anybody's a chiropractor, by the way, come find me. <laughs> no, she's fine. Our niece, uh, she joined us yesterday for the rest of the week. Then we placed her on the floor, made a nice little bed for her, and then uh, I woke up to use the bathroom, and the door to our adjoining room in the retreat center was kicked open. Apparently, my niece is a mover in her sleep quite a bit. I'm like, oh, this is new. So, like, we did that awkward, like, try to close the door that doesn't have a, a door handle, and, and so, I mean, we're pretty tight as Soteria people, but the whole adjoining rooms thing, it's like, no, nah, we won't kick our niece over to the... Uh, to the room next to us. We'll figure something out. So all that to say, anybody had a kid fall off the top bunk at camp before? Okay. You've been that kid. All right. That's encouraging. I think it's encouraging. Cool. No. Awesome. That's great. Hey, uh, I want to start us off this morning with, how are we doing, Noah? Not real good? That's all right. I see a white screen behind me. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll flip, it, uh, flip the script a little bit while Noah works. I would like to hear, in fact, I will give out a Soteria t-shirt. Lest you think it's weird that you're wearing a t-shirt for a church you don't go to. It just says death, burial, and resurrection. These are actually our baptism t-shirts. And unlike a guy that found me one day out in the community wearing this, he goes, hey, is that like a video game? And I said, oh, son, like, here, let me talk to you about this. Uh, but we wear these on our, during our baptisms um, just to rem, uh, remind our people that every time we have a baptism Sunday, we are proclaiming the gospel to each other in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I want to hear first jobs, the first jobs, that, work that you did that you got paid for. And I will give a T-shirt to either the most interesting or just the straight-up worst first job. All right, right here. Collecting aluminum cans. Collecting aluminum cans. What was, what was your income doing that? About $10 a month. $10 a month. <laughs> Woo! All right. Picking up nuts. Picking up nuts. Yes. As a family, we, when we were younger, we got big buckets and picked up nuts, and then we took them to some acreage, and they weigh them, and they give you money per pound. Okay. Very kind. No kidding, Yeah. I say your hourly wage can't be good. Yeah. I was a slide monitor, and I got paid five bucks an hour. And then slide I, monitor? So, yeah. like, at the pool, or? At the pool, and then I uh, uh, built my vans with my mom's van windshield, so then I used all of my money to pay for that. I made 350 bucks. 350 bucks, but it all went to replace the window in the van. Red. Washing dishes. Washing dishes. Where at? Redwood Cafe, nice. Uh, way in the back and then dad right in front. What? Orange chicken? Oh, butchering chickens. Yikes. Wow. Yikes. All right, dad right in front. Yeah. Cleaning out pig pens. Ooh, yes. Stuffing envelopes. Okay. How long would it take to do 500 envelopes? Wow. 
Oh my. Others, yes, right here in the red. Yep. Losing my teeth. Losing your teeth. <laughs> All been pulled, but Tooth Fairy still delivered. Nice. Yes, in the back. Delivering milk. Delivering milk. Nice. Like in the glass bottles and stuff. Yes. We get Swiss Valley back in Waterloo in our school, the little milk uh, cartons. Yes. Walking beans. Any other bean walkers for your first job? All right. Any? I haven't heard it yet. I'm waiting for it. Any detasselers? Yeah, that was my first job, that and mowing lawns. I, I was the worst worker ever. It was so bad. <laughs> All right, a uh, couple more. Mr. Fletchall. Working, Working at camp was your first job. Yes. I'm sorry, what? Following? Flight following. Flight following. Okay, I've never heard of that. Becky. Writing letters for a lady, that's called an amanuensis. So if you need to update your resume, you can, you can put amanuensis. Yeah. Mr. Bleeker. Stringing bicycle tires that came in the mail. That's crazy. Wow. Yes, Paul. Paperboy. Anybody else have a paper route? I would help. Actually, I would help Paul right here. Uh, back in Waterloo, if you hung out at his house and it happened to be like paper out time, it was a group effort. And so Paul and his brother David each had one. I'll tell you what, yes, right here. Uh, traffic pocket gold. Trap, oh, late entry. You got a tail for a quarter. You got a tail for a quarter off of, oh my. I am going to, all of these are very interesting. I'm going to give it to butchering chickens. I just think that is dirty work. Come on up. I'm not sure it'll be your size. I only brought one shirt, so consider gifting it to a friend or family member. Nice job. All right, if you take out a pen and paper, we'll do another quiz here real quick of famous celebrities' first jobs. Uh, you're going to have a celebrity, and you're going to have four jobs. Guess which one is their real first job. person who gets the most will get a Soteria Diner mug. Soteria Diner, I feel like I'm on a game show or anything. I just grabbed this out of our church welcome center, so. <laughs> All right, celebrities' first jobs. How about Brad Pitt? Before making it big, big as an actor, Brad Pitt used to do what to make ends meet? Was he a carpet installer, a dancing chicken, a pancake chef, or a caricature artist? After each one, I'll reveal the answer, so maybe just keep a tally mark of how many you get correct. All right, you have your answer written down. He was a dancing chicken at El Pollo Loco. How many of you guys got that one right? Nice job. Johnny Depp, before, long before he was Captain Jack Sparrow, how did Johnny Depp pay his bills? School janitor, garbage man, pen salesman, or concert violinist? What do you think? Johnny Depp, hmm. He was... Pen salesman, making up to 400 calls a day trying to sell personalized ballpoint pens. Ashton Kutcher, a little bit of story behind this one. Uh, before becoming a successful actor, what did Ashton Kutcher do to help bring in extra money for his family? Karaoke show host, 
bank teller, janitor, or pretzel baker? He was a janitor, sweeping up cereal dust at the same General Mills factory his dad worked at. That General Mills factory is Cedar Rapids. Exactly right. Uh, Yeah, in Waterloo, we call Cedar Rapids Stinky Town because you drive by the General Mills and yeah, but Ashton Kutcher from Clear Creek Amana High School here in Iowa. Uh, before becoming Han Solo of Indiana Jones, what was Harrison Ford's paying gig? Furniture mover, Boy Scout leader, McDonald's cashier, or a UPS driver? You can get your answer written down. He was a Boy Scout leader. He worked at a camp where he taught boys how to attain their reptile identification badge, among other jobs. Isn't that wild? Keep track of how many you're getting correct. Before he invented a a certain famous mouse, way to avoid copyright infringement, what job did Walt Disney do for a while? Was he a baseball umpire, a house painter, an ambulance driver, or a vacuum salesman? Walt Disney. He was... An ambulance driver. Toward the end of World War I, Walt Disney worked as an ambulance driver in parts of France. Uh, I think two left. Before he was Spider-Man, what did Andrew Garfield do to pay the rent? Was he a construction worker, a photojournalist, a math tutor, or a barista? Andrew Garfield. If you don't know who Andrew Garfield is, that's okay. He is, or was... A barista at Starbucks before he hit it big. Two more. I'm sorry. Now we have two more. What job did Jennifer Aniston take for a time while she was waiting for her big break? Beekeeper, bike messenger, flight attendant, or makeup consultant? Jennifer Aniston. She was a bike messenger in New York City for a while. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, what was his summer job at least before those NBA paychecks started kicking in? A Gap employee, a KFC worker, logger, grocery stocker. Dwayne Wade was a KFC worker. KFC. Lin-Manuel Miranda's very first job. Paperboy, who? Uh, Paperboy, slushy dispenser, lawnmower, dishwasher. Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. I'm not going to plug it on Disney+. Plus. It was slushy dispenser at his aunt's shop. Dream job right there. He could work in the camp snack shack. And... Miss Taylor Swift, before she became a a megastar, window cleaner, Christmas tree farmer, chicken feeder, TGI Friday's waitress. What did Taylor Swift do? She was a Christmas tree farmer. All right, raise your hand if you got at least four correct. All right, raise them nice and high so I can see them. If you got at least five correct, keep your hand raised. One, two, three, four. Okay, get you all in my periphery. Six. 
Okay. What did you get? Six? Six. All right. Break it in half? Okay. Solomon would have something to say about that. All right. Tell you what. Patrick, oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss somebody? Yes, in the back. How many did you get right? Six. All right. Uh, Tiebreaker. You can write your answer down. Patrick Mahomes recently signed the largest contract in NFL history. They broke down his contract for how much he'd make a year, a month, but I want you to guess how much money, uh, max money, uh, Patrick Mahomes' contract will make him. How much money will he make per day? I saw this statistic, I'm pulling it up here, and it just blew my mind. How much money... So write down your answer. Will Patrick Mahomes' contract potentially earn him per day? All right, you have your answers written down? Right here. 45000 a day in the back? 2160 And over here? 150000 you are the closest. It's $137,000 a day for the next 10 years. $503 million max potential, $50 million a year, $137,000 a day. Come on up. Get your prize. Way to go. Would you have gotten it? Nice. Yeah. What's your name? Tom. Tom. Congrats, man. Fill that with some caffeine. Today, in case you couldn't tell... We're going to talk about the next area of God's will. We learned Sunday night that instead, of, as we look to the future, instead of getting consumed with the unknown, we can focus on obeying the known will of God. Monday morning, we saw that it is God's will for us to have a, transform, a sacrificed life and a transformed mind. Yesterday, we saw it is God's will for us to be spirit-filled people. And we are going to continue just a few verses after where we left off yesterday in Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. We're in that section where Paul is talking about what submission in different relationships looks like. And in uh, verse 6 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, it says, Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ." Do God's will from your heart. Do God's will from your heart. That command to do God's will from our hearts is in the context of a slave-master relationship. Now, I won't unpack for you all the details of how slavery in the uh, first century is different than our modern conception of slavery, but the bottom line is this. You, as a slave, worked for somebody else. You were not your own. You had a boss. You had a master. And it's interesting, (coughs) excuse me, it's interesting that Paul here encourages slaves in their slavery, in their employment, in their, a modern analogy would be like, in their indentured servitude, 
to work hard from their heart. Today, we're going to see God's will in the area of work. So we're going to answer the question today, what does a Christian work ethic look like? How many of you are employees of someone else? Okay. How many of you are self-employed? Good. How many of you are domestic engineers? My wife is a domestic engineer. She's a a stay-at-home mom. And I can tell you what, guys, she's not here because we actually had one of our daughters needing the morning nap. Yes, my wife skipped my own lesson to help with a nap. I can tell you this. (coughs) After being with our daughters 24-7 for the last, like, four or five days, my wife works really hard. (laughs) I'm learning that. And uh, this passage speaks to all those different areas. Whether you work for somebody else, you are self-employed, or you're a a stay-at-home parent, or whether you're retired. Maybe you've put in 30, 40, 50 years on the workforce, and you're at a point now where uh, you don't have to be employed, but you're still doing work. Today, we're going to see, answer the question, what does a Christian work ethic look like? First, we see in verse 5 that a Christian works with the right attitude. A Christian works with the right attitude. Paul says in verse 5, Ephesians 6, Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. How are we supposed to obey our human masters? How are we supposed to work? We're supposed to work with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean we're literally fearful every time we clock in. But when you practice fear and trembling, this is what it means. What you do is serious. You do this with respect. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, but my job is just this. I don't see how I need to change diapers or collect invoices. I don't see how I need to Wire a house with fear and trembling. It's just work. But God has created all of us to do work. And so we need to respect those in charge over us. How many of you have ever worked for someone, a manager or a boss, whom you feel like perhaps was underqualified? Yep. I've been there too. Not in my current job, Cody. Everybody I work with at church is very qualified. But uh, it's difficult to respect them. How many of you have been, whether it's in the lunchroom or around the office cooler, and it's bash the manager time? Absolutely, or the supervisor. It is so tempting to join in. But a Christian work ethic, somebody following God's will, will do their job with fear and trembling. Those two words, fear and trembling, are the same words that Paul uses when he writes, uh, writes to the Philippians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. It means this, you take it seriously. It doesn't mean you can't smile or have fun at your job or if you're at Chick-fil-A, say my pleasure at the end of every interaction. But what it does mean is this, we work with sincerity. That's why he goes on to say, in the sincerity of your heart. We work hard when no one is looking over our shoulder. Sincerity means 
What I'm portraying is demonstrating my actual attitude. So if I look invested in my work, I should actually be invested in my work. How many of you ever heard, like, look like you're busy? Uh, I've had that exhortation, hey, just look like you're busy. Um, It's trying to impress those uh, over your charge or impress perhaps a customer or something like that um, without actually putting forth the effort. I get a kick out of kids, junior high, senior high. They're so funny, especially junior hires. I think they think they're more clever than they actually are. Uh, Can I get a witness? No. (laughs) Uh, I remember like PE class at school. You know, you get changed in your gym clothes. You go outside. And for us, we had to do two warm-up laps around our school building. Not very far. So... It was supposed to take just a matter of a few minutes just to get our blood moving a little bit. Coach would be, or gym teacher would be standing at one corner of the building and he'd send us on our way. Kids would be running, 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 and they'd turn the corner and what do they do? They walk. And it's so obvious. It's like, okay, it took them 12 seconds to run around this side of the building, but three minutes later they're jogging around the other side? Like, what happened in that other part? And... You might even like put some good huffs and puffs there on the back end. What are those peop- kids doing? They're trying to pull a fast one on the gym teacher, right? They're trying to look like they're running with sincerity when in reality, they're dogging it. Uh, lest you guys think that I'm an amazing person, I'll get transparent with you. I, between uh, college and seminary, I took a year and just worked. And I was at a large financial institution in West Des Moines. I won't tell you the name of the institution, but it rhymes with smells cargo. And I was in the real estate tax department. So I, you guys, I had a fun job. I collected money from people whose property taxes were mistakenly paid by Wells Fargo. So people who were not, oh, I mean smells cargo. I, when I, so I would have to initiate letters and phone calls. So we'd send them a collection letter, and usually they would call back less than pleased. I'm not paying for your mistake. You didn't pay for it. I never saw a refund check come in. Okay. So it was just a lot easier. I was actually trained. I was a a temp. I was just trained. Just don't log into the phones and let it go to voicemail, and then call them back later when it's more convenient. That was just how So in case you've ever had difficulty with customer service, letting you see how the sausage is made a little bit, uh, we... So I, my manager caught wind that we were doing this or not doing this, namely being logged in our phones, and he just read us the riot act. So what did everybody do? For a couple days, we were logged into our phones, and they were ringing off the hook. And finally, one by one, people would log out, so whoever was logged in was getting all those phone calls. And rather than standing on my convictions and doing my work with fear and trembling sincerity of heart, I just joined the crowd and on my team, logged out and let it go to voicemail. Let it be somebody else's problem. I was not inside God's will in that job when I was doing that. God's will in the area of work means that we are working with the right attitude. We are working with the right attitude. Fear and trembling. We respect those in charge over us. A sincere heart. We work hard when no one is looking over our shoulder. Going back to Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are worshiping God when we are working hard with the right attitude. 
So a Christian works with the right attitude. Second, a Christian works for the right boss. Look at verses 6 and 7. But as, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers. But as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. Whether you are self-employed, stay-at-home parent, retiree, or just a, re- a normal employee working for somebody else, we need to remember this. We are all employees of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. All of us are employees of Jesus. All of us are employees of Jesus. Think about that for a second. Your W-2, when it comes every January and you have your statement of earnings, you're not just working for the company. You're not just working for that EIN, that employee identification number. You're working for Jesus. All of you are in your workplaces by God's design. I like what Pastor Mike says. Uh, people, people ask him, what's your... What's your uh, church's strategy for evangelism? And he says this. He goes, we have deployed six, seven hundred secret agents all across the city, infiltrating all of these neighborhoods, all of these companies with Christians. And we are leveraging, we are influencing people, we are building relationships that will one day support gospel conversations. Think about that. God has you in your job for a reason. If God has you at home right now, bouncing babies on your knee, doing the stuff that nobody sees aside from your family, you're there for a reason. My wife, staying at home with our two girls, is a disciple maker. She gets to answer all of our four-year-olds' random questions about God. We were out on the boat last night. Molly looks out and she goes, Mom, I think God's blowing on the water or something like that. Like, she's, she's trying to find God in everything, which is both cute and we got to correct some of that a little bit. But all of us are in the jobs we are for a reason, both to do good work, to meet people's needs. You can slaughter chickens as an employee of Jesus. You can, what was it, trapping what? Gophers. Trapping gophers for Jesus. We are all employees of Jesus. And that leads us to an important point as well. There's no secular work. Look at verse 6. It says, As slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. If all of us are working for Jesus, God has planned all of our work and has ordained it, then there is no secular work. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this, and hopefully you understand in my heart where I'm coming from. I really think Scripture pushes back on the idea that, yeah, and I, I'm thinking especially in the area of teenagers, if, okay, yeah, you're going to go to school, you're going to be a, an engineer, you're going to be an electrician, you're going to be a, an elementary school teacher, like, that's cool. 
But if you really want to serve Jesus, you'll be a pastor or a missionary. Now, speaking as a pastor, our church, our world needs pastors and missionaries. But our church needs sold out for Jesus, hardworking engineers, hardworking UPS drivers, God-glorifying elementary school teachers, disciple-making stay-at-home moms. We need all of that. And I don't want any of your kids, I don't want any of you thinking that you are a second-class Christian if you are not in vocational ministry. Some of the godliest people in our church don't have the pastor title. Uh, there's one guy I've got to know for over the last couple of years. His name's Chuck. Chuck runs slides for us at church. Um, he, he just exudes joy. Chuck is a semi-retired UPS driver. He drove for UPS for like 40 years. During that time, he loved his wife, loved his sons, who are both walking with the Lord in uh, committed church members at different churches uh, around the area. But Chuck and his wife came over. Now Chuck is semi-retired. He's not in a spot where he can retire completely, but he delivers prescription medication for high V. You know what Chuck does? Chuck memorizes scripture while he drives. I can all, at any given point, ask Chuck, hey, what are you memorizing right now? And he'll share that with me. Chuck is doing exactly what God has called him to do. There is no secular work. When you are doing what God has planned for you, and maybe you're trying to figure that out. Maybe you're post high school but pre-career and you're still trying to think through those things. Do whatever you can to meet other people's needs, to use your mind and your body to do good work. But remember that we're all employees of Jesus and there's ultimately no secular work. So Christian works for the right boss and next the Christian works for the right paycheck. Look at verse eight. So serve with a good attitude, verse seven, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. He will receive this back from the Lord. Not one minute of our sincere work is wasted. If you get passed up for a promotion, if you, in the name of good Christian ethics, refuse to participate in shady business or less than honorable practices and you get in trouble for it, if you get maligned, understand this, not one minute of our sincere work is wasted. When we have gospel lenses, we can still work for a reward, knowing that we're not earning brownie points with God, but God is a good father, wants to lavish us with good things. We can know that we stand before God having worked hard the right way, working for the right boss with the right attitude, we can look for that right paycheck. Some of you might be woefully underpaid right now for what you do. There's a big question mark with our economy right now. I've talked to several of you uh, where employment is up in the air going back from camp. Uh, we just received an email through our, our church uh, website of a church member whose husband's in the oil industry. And I mean, it's... It's really uncertain right now. Know this. Continue to work hard. Continue to glorify God. Work for the right paycheck. Money helps too, but also work for the right paycheck. And we will all reap later what we sow. Second Corinthians 
says, Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Within the sphere of the workplace, we have the opportunity to glorify God, to make disciples, to be salt and light through being excellent workers. And we can trust God to take care of us. Not one minute of our sincere work is wasted. That's why he says, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. Finally, the Christian works with the right authority. It says, and masters. So he's talked to the slaves. Now he flips, it on, flips the situation on its head. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them. Because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. How many of you are in a position where people work for you? Whether you're a business owner or a manager, raise your hand. You have a tremendous opportunity and responsibility if you're in that position to treat people well. We treat others graciously because we've received grace. He kind of puts masters in their place and just reminds them, hey, by the way, like you might be in a position of master over people, but you still have a master over you. He says, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven. I think gospel-driven, gospel-centered entrepreneurs, businessmen have just such a neat opportunity to be a ministry, to, to pay their employees well, to treat them with dignity, to meet people's needs in real tangible ways. That's a tremendous opportunity. And just speaking frankly, I have a position at my church because of the consistently generous giving of our people. It's, it's really humbling at the end of the day to know that without people earning money and giving that graciously as they've received grace with sincere hearts, to our church, I wouldn't have a job. You know, like, I'm not creating anything. I'm trying to disciple and invest in our people. I'm trying to shepherd. Uh, to, so remember, if you're in a position of authority, to treat others graciously. Why? Because we've received grace. It's just natural. It's not the motivation of obligation or guilt. It's motivation of grace. And we need to remember this. We all have the same heavenly master. There is no favoritism with God. The person who makes six figures is in no more privileged position before God than the lowest rung on the totem pole, the entry-level employee. The person making minimum wage has the same standing before God as the multimillionaire if both of them are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So in light of that, those of us who have people working for us, are in the position of master, so to speak. Paul says, remember, God sees you all the same way. So we need to work with the right authority. We don't use our position of authority to push off stuff that we just don't want to do. We don't use our position of authority to penny pinch 
and underpay employees. We don't use our position to fulfill our sinful desires for power, for pleasure, for popularity. Instead, we treat others with the right, we work with the right authority. We treat others graciously because we've been showing, shown grace. So as you're thinking about God's will, include work in your understanding of God's will. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9 says this, the big idea as we're blobbing each other this afternoon, as we're maybe taking a nap because it's Wednesday of family camp, let's dwell on this truth. We're following God's will every time we work to honor him and serve other people. Jesus said you can boil down to the, uh, all 613 Old Testament commands to two. Love God completely and love others selflessly. So let's take the area of work. In the area of work, we are in the center of God's will. When we work to honor God, because he's our ultimate boss, he controls our paycheck. He understands, he is sovereign, and we serve other people. We love God and love others in our work. We're following God, every, God's will every time we work to honor him and serve others. So as uh, we go to our scripture and action questions, just a couple today, what was the worst job you ever had? What made it so awful? So I want to, uh, Wiedemeyer family, when you're sitting around, I want you to talk about slaughtering chickens for a couple minutes. That'll be great. What made it so awful? Why is no work truly secular? Continue to unpack that idea. How does the hope for future reward help us work sincerely now? And what is one way you can demonstrate Christ's character in the workplace? I can't imagine the ways God could work through us as family two peeps as we go home if we work the way Paul describes in verse, verses five through nine of chapter six. It would be countercultural. It would be such a neat opportunity to have gospel conversations. We are in following God's will every time we work hard to honor him and serve other people. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy to talk a big game when the area of work, in the area of using our, our minds and our bodies to meet other people's uh, physical needs and spiritual needs. But Father, it's hard when we go home. It's hard on those mundane work days where nobody's looking over our shoulder. It's hard when we feel as if our work ha- does nothing, that, if, that we're not accomplishing anything. Help us to remember that we are worshiping when we work hard. Help us to remember that we've been shown tremendous grace. Lord, you didn't spare your own son. You gave him and you've offered his righteousness at no cost to us because your son bore the cost. And so we can show grace to people in our workplace. We can show grace to our kids when we're staying home with them. We can show grace to those who make our work life more difficult because you have shown us grace. Lord, help us to be grace-driven, hardworking people who are trusting you to take care of us. In your son's name I pray, amen.